0: This is the message from Connection Community Church for Sunday, July 8th, 2018. An animated faith a Father's love. Good morning, Connection Church.
1: Good morning.
0: Welcome to week two of our July series, uh, An Animated Faith, where we're looking at some Pixar movies and... Seeing what Christian themes we can uh, glean from them. Last week we looked at uh, Toy Story and the theme was Identity. This morning our movie is Finding Nemo and the theme is A Father's Love.
1: Good morning, Connection Church. My name is Carrie Jones.
0: I'm Alan Jones.
1: And we want to welcome everyone who's here with us at 100 West Green Street. And those of you who are joining us at Facebook Online, we are so glad that we are one big community of faith. Amen. We are two sinners who have been saved by the grace of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Would you pray with us, please? Almighty God, thank you so much for today. It's no accident that anyone is a part of this service. God, settle us in that we might be changed and transformed by your love. We pray this in the name of the Father and the Son and by the power of the Holy Spirit. Everybody agreed and said, amen. 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 Finding Nemo. It's a computer animated adventure film produced by Pixar. It was released by Disney in 2003. It received an Academy Award for the best animated film, and it made $871 million worldwide by the end of its initial run. It's also the best-selling DVD of all time. That was new to me because I haven't seen it. I need to go home and look at it. Oh, my gosh. I can't believe it. I know. Am I the only one who hasn't? Okay. Okay. I've got a buddy here. Thank you. There's
0: three of you. Three of us.
1: Okay. Yeah. Well, you know what? We had a movie night Friday night, and we saw this course I wasn't here, but next Friday night, please come because we'll be showing Inside Out, and uh, then we'll be preaching on Inside Out next week. Anyway, back to Finding Nemo. It is the 10th, voted the 10th best animated film ever made, so we need to watch it, Mike, by the American Film Institute.
0: So the film opens with um, two clownfish Marlin and Coral. This gets confusing because Marlin's not a marlin; he's a clownfish. And they it opens with them admiring their new home in the Great Barrier Reef in Australia, along with their clutch of 400 fertilized, whoa, fertilized eggs. A barracuda attacks, knocking Marlin unconscious. He awakes to find that his wife and all but one egg have been eaten by the predator. Oh, There's tissues. There's tissues. Um, Marlon um, uh, then names the remaining egg. What do you think? Nemo! Uh, The name his wife had picked out.
1: Now, once Nemo is born, Marlon becomes this overprotective parent. I mean, who would blame him? Because Nemo's the only thing that he's got left. Nemo's feeling a little suffocated by this overbearing, overprotective parent, and so... What does he do? He defies his father. He leaves the safety of the coral reef, and he swims toward a boat in deeper, deeper water. Well, at that point, then he's captured by a diver, and guess where he ends up? He ends up in a tank in a dentist's office. Now, dentist's office seem to have fish tanks, don't they? Yeah, well, that's where Nemo ended up, along with other captive fish, and they started dreaming of escaping of that deep water sea that they wanted to get back to well meanwhile this normally tentative and rather cautious Marlin, the dad he sets out on this ocean crossing track to find his son nemo and bring him home now that's an all-out expression of a father's love
0: Hmm. a father's love it's It's what gave the normally fearful Marlon the courage to go way outside his comfort zone, way outside his safety zone, way outside his normal boundaries. Uh, And so Marlon traveled through some, some pretty uncharted territory, at least for him, where he confronted situations and strangers that he never would have dreamed of confronting, covering miles and miles of ocean in order to find and forgive his fugitive son. Can you imagine a father like
1: a dad willing to forgive and forget, a dad who welcomed you back with open arms? Wow, what a blessing to have that kind of
0: dad. Mm. On the other hand, maybe that's not the dad of your experience. Uh, Maybe your dad had enough challenge just taking care of himself. Perhaps he even had trouble doing that, so the idea of going to the ends of the earth for you was Maybe that was, never even entered his mind. Perhaps you're the one who's, <laughs> who's doing the forgiving and the forgetting and the unconditional loving. Perhaps you've had to act more like the loving father, loving parent, than your dad was ever able to do.
1: Here's the thing, though. No matter what kind of dad we've had, it's our dad that gave us life along with our mom, so we do need to be thankful for that here's the thing to remember. We have a perfect father, a perfect father who wouldn't lead us astray, who would always care for us, who does love us unconditionally, and that is our father in heaven, whose love for us makes Marlon's love for Nemo, it just pales in comparison. You see, while Marlon traveled uh, miles and miles and miles across the ocean to find and to save his son, our Father in heaven sent his only son from heaven to earth to save you and to save me. Wow. And while Marlin was rescuing his only son from physical death, our Heavenly Father allowed his son to be put to death to rescue us to rescue you and me from death from spiritual death from eternal separation from the, his father in heaven while nemo's dad went to the ends of the earth for his obedient son disobedient son our heavenly father allowed his son to go to the grave and back for us to save his disobedient Disobedient children, you and me, and everyone on the entire planet. Hmm.
0: In the book of Luke, which is the third book in the New Testament, the second part of the Bible, in the 15th chapter of that book, Jesus tells a series. Is that a siren?
1: It is a siren. It's our tradition at Connection Church. That whenever we hear the siren, we stop and pray. Would everybody bow your heads, please? God, we are lifting up the situation at hand. Lord, whatever is going on, whoever's in trouble, whoever needs um, emergency assistance, Lord, protect them, help them know that you're in the midst of of it. We pray that no one is hurt. We pray that this is really a false alarm. Thank you for the responders, for, for their sacrificial, um, for the sacrificial way that they are responding. Please clear the roads and keep everyone safe. We lift this situation to you in Jesus' name. Amen.
0: Amen. So in Luke, uh, the 15th chapter, uh, we find a series of three par- uh, parables. A parable is a short story that explains a a greater truth, and and these parables tell us just how far our heavenly Father will go to find the one who's lost. Check this out, Luke fifteen, four through. Um, I'm sorry, three through seven. Then Jesus told them this parable: Suppose one of you has a hundred sheep, and loses one of them To repent.
1: And so in the culture at the time this was written, people were so familiar with shepherds. We read about shepherds all through the Bible and Old Testament and the New Testament. A shepherd was responsible for each and every one of his sheep. If he came back without all of the sheep, he better have the carcass with him. Or he needed to go out and find That lost sheep. So Jesus uses this analogy, this parable, this story to share a greater truth. And it's this, that every single one of us, you are his sheep. You are so important to God. You are so important, especially those of us who are lost, especially the ones who are far from God, especially the ones who have not been saved. Regardless of the type of earthly father we have, our heavenly father cares. He cares. He cares for each and every one of us, for you and for me, and especially when we make bad choices, especially when we've been disobedient, when we're far from God. God doesn't say, you know what? You have been a bad girl. You have been a bad boy today. I'm just not going to love you. God can't do that. That's not the nature of God. You know, sometimes we hold each other accountable and we say, you know what, I'm done with this. That's not how God's nature is. Our Father in heaven especially cares for the Nemo's of this world. And so should we. (laughs) So should we as individuals and so should we as a church. We must care for the Nemo's of this world. The Bible tells us in those last three lines, would you say it with me? There will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who do not need to repent.
0: Carrying on in chapter 15 of Luke, verses um, 8 through 10, Jesus shared this. He says, Or suppose a woman has 10 coins and loses one. Doesn't she light a lamp, sweep the house, and search carefully until she finds it? And when she finds it, she calls her friend and neighbors together and says, Rejoice with me! I found my lost coin! In the same way, I tell you, there is rejoicing in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents.
1: So in the culture, when, when this was written perhaps the most valuable thing for a married woman in her possession was the headdress that she had a headdress and it had coins on it and that headdress was so important that it could not be taken away even to pay a debt perhaps it's one of those coins that fell out or perhaps it was just another coin that being said it was quite valuable, and to lose it would be a great loss for the family.
0: Mm. Uh, not to mention the emotional loss, because that represents kind of like a wedding ring, so to speak. So, there's the emotional loss as well from those silver coins. The real challenge here is, is what it would take to find such a lost coin. Those houses were, had very thick walls and very small windows, because it's a dry, hot, arid area, and and to, they didn't have AC, of course, so to try to keep the houses cool, they'd keep them as dark as possible, as much light as possible. It reminds me of my daughter, our daughter's house in Houston. They keep it very dark in there because it's so hot out, and to try to maintain some semblance of cool. So, first of all, she would have to light a lamp to at least find and start looking for this coin, but the house most likely had a packed dirt floor with rushes, you know, like uh, rushes you find down like in the swampy area, you know, it's kind of a floor covering. Now, just picture sweeping such a floor looking for a coin. It, It kind of reminds us of searching for the proverbial needle in a haystack. Yeah. And so there would be great celebration. <laughs> if you, one was able to find that silver coin in the midst of all that.
1: And so we're reminded in this teaching of Jesus how much God values us, values you, especially when we're lost and will go to great lengths to connect with us and how a celestial celebration happens when the lost... Is found, just like that coin was of great importance to the woman in this parable, she had nine more. What's the big deal? Well, it was a big deal. It was a big deal, and it says that every single one of us is of great value to God. Billions of people on the earth, before, now, after us, every one is of value because God doesn't make junk. God created you, and your life matters. God gives us the breath when we wake up in the morning and when we go to sleep. You are no accident. Sometimes you might feel like it. You are not an accident. Do not let the trash, the old tapes go around in your mind telling you that you're not valuable because you are. Those are lies. God wants you to know that every life matters because God created you And God designed you. Your life matters. One of our core values here at Connection Church is just that.
0: Lie. And so the third parable in this series is the parable of the lost son. You may have heard it called the parable of the prodigal son. It's a, a story known by many. It's a very popular parable. Of Jesus. And in this particular parable, this third parable, Jesus tells the story of a man who has two boys. The younger of the two comes to the father uh, one day and asks for his share of the estate. Basically, what he's saying is, Daddy, I wish you were dead, but since you aren't, can I have my money now? That's how I take it. That's basically what he's saying. "I I want my inheritance now, Daddy the incredible part is dad did it. He, he split his estate between the two. And not long after, the younger of the two boys gathered all he had and traveled to a distant country. Sounds a little bit like Nemo, doesn't it? Actually, it sounds a little bit like many of us <laughs> who at one time or another have found ourselves in the distant country, the far country, the distant place. Often the distance isn't so much in miles, but in uh, emotional distance, moral distance, distance from our parents, distance from God, distance from (laughs) doing the things we know we should be doing rather than the things we are doing. Just like this boy in the story.
1: So the younger son, he was out doing his thing. Sounds like at first it might have been loads of fun, but he blew all of his money, his whole inheritance. He squandered on, the Bible says, wild living. We can only imagine. Some of us have been there. And a famine hits, and this boy becomes hungry. He gets a job in a pig pen feeding pigs, and he, he is hungry, and he's, like, looking at this, and it's so out of whack. And the Bible tells us that um, he came to himself, meaning he came to his senses. He kind of came into his right mind. And he realized, there he is in the pig pen, that he realized that his father's servants are better off than he was there in the pig pen. Well, duh. Duh. And so he decided to go home and throw himself at the mercy of his father. And he created this speech that he was going to say to his dad, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. That was his speech. So he got up and he went to his father.
0: Mm-hmm. Now scripture doesn't say this, but this is an analyzation, but I'm I figure this is what's going on. You know, he's practicing this speech. Maybe you've been there. You get, you got this speech that you you gotta have it just right, and it says, Oh Father, I've sinned against uh, heaven and against you, i am said so No longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. So he got up and went to his father. Father, I have sinned against heaven against you. I am no longer worthy be called your son. Make me like one of your. I just see him over, and I see he's trudging home, just dreading this meeting with Daddy O. But he just got, it and he wants to get it right. I remember when I was a kid. I I had times where I just had to tell Dad what I'd done wrong, just because I was getting eaten up with guilt. You know, I just we had this. I call it my confession corner there in the kitchen. Two booths, They looked like a diner booths and a table in between. And dad would be sitting at one, smoking a cigarette, drinking his coffee, and I'd be laying on the other over and over and over. First, would count the 25 and then 50 and then 25 before I told him. Then I over and over what I was going to say. Just had it right, just right. I'm sure that's what this kid's doing. He wants to get it right. He wants, somehow we think if we have it exactly right that maybe the punishment won't be so bad. I don't know. Or maybe we just want to make sure we don't mess that up like we've messed everything else up. But anyway, I can only imagine this kid, mile after mile after mile. Father, I've sinned against heaven and against you. Yeah. And so the
1: boy makes his way home, and he's still a long way off. And his father sees him. Now we don't think that dad was going out to just get the mail. It's like, oh, there he comes. No, we believe that the father, from the moment that his son left, he's like scanning the horizon, looking, waiting, perhaps praying for his son to come home, and then off in the distance. There he is. He sees him. He gets so excited. He can't contain himself. He's so full of compassion. He runs toward his son. He gives him a hug and he gives him a kiss and he welcomes him home. And can you imagine he's not wearing like blue jeans. He's probably wearing this tunic thing and he's got sandals on and he sees his son. He like pulls the tunic up and starts running. I mean, can you imagine what that would be like? But that's how he is because he's so excited. He's so excited to see his son and welcome his son home.
0: And the kid shares a speech: "Father, I've sinned against heaven, and against you. No longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants." But I don't think the old man heard more than the first three words. Maybe he's not listening to the boy. He's too caught up in hugging him, giving him a kiss. And he's telling the servants to bring the best robe. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his toes and put some steaks on the grill. It's time to party. The boy's home. You don't put a robe on a servant, do you? Robe is special. It's. You don't put a ring, especially this. They say likely it was a ring with a signal, you know, with a family insignia on it. That's a family ring. You don't put that on a servant. Servants don't get sandals. They go barefoot. And you sure aren't putting steaks on the grill. I mean, maybe a hot dog, but uh-uh, uh-uh, uh-uh. Servants get the hot dog, but family gets steaks. You know, what he's basically saying is, uh, is boy, you're not a servant. You're my son welcome home. Welcome home.
1: Well, then there's the older brother. I think he kind of gets a bad rap sometimes. I
0: think he doesn't deserve a party because he acts like a knucklehead. But the older
1: brother has kind of a pity party for himself. He gets mad. It's like, are you kidding me? This kid, my little brother, went and took everything and And blew all of his money. Now he's home and you're like welcoming him back. And you're throwing a party. What about me? I've been here the whole time. I've been doing what you want me to do. I've been the good son. (laughs) And then the dad says, you know, you've always been with me. I've always been with you. Everything I have is yours. But then comes verse 32. (laughs) But we had to celebrate and be glad. Because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. Yeah.
0: Parable of the Lost Son, they call it. Maybe a more telling title would be The Parable of the Loving Father. Because that's what this story is really about, isn't it? Father's love father 's love that 's excessive over the top beyond comprehension that was the challenge with the with the older brother it, you know and for us who are older like the older brother, we have trouble with that whole concept don 't we that the welcoming home of the of of the kid who 's gone and, and squandered everything that 's why it 's hard to if you 're the older older son type person it 's hard for us because it it doesn't make sense. That's not how it's supposed to work. This, this unconditional love. See, it's the story of God's love for us. Tim Keller's a Presby minister in Manhattan. He's got a book about this story. He calls it The Prodigal God, <laughs> The Excessive God, the God who is so excessive in his love that we can't comprehend it's it's just beyond our ability to fathom that kind of love the love the father in heaven has for each and every one of us has it for me and he's got it for you A father's love
1: wow so what about you maybe you're a lost son maybe you're a lost daughter Maybe you're a Nemo. <laughs> Maybe you've been disobedient. Maybe you've drifted. Maybe you feel a little bit lost. Maybe you feel far from God. And that's not unusual because that happens to all of us, I would say. It's happened to me. Being a believer and then I kind of stray and then I have to be called back. I go down this road and it's like, ah, oh, ah, oh, ah, oh. come on, care, stay this way. It happens. It happens. maybe you've wondered you know god i'm so disobedient i've messed up so much you don't love me anymore because you can't i don't love myself or i've been so what i've done is so bad you can't forgive it that's a lie that's the enemy because god's love is greater than any of our sin i'll say that again God's love is greater than anything you've done, anything you've thought, and all we need to do is come to the loving Father and say, I'm a mess. I'm sorry, I need you. Father's going to love us anyway, even if we don't say that. Because the Father's love is excessive in a way that we can't even comprehend. Love's so great, that he sent his son to die, to die for us. And there's nothing you can do about that love except accept it. Nothing you can do about it. That's called grace. It's undeserved. It's unmerited. We can't be good enough. We can't work hard enough. God would go to the end of the earth and back because he has. God, if we're using the Nemo story, would swim across the ocean and back for you. God would wear that broom out until the bristles are gone for you, looking for you, searching for you, if we're using that Nemo thing. God would be at the end of the lane, looking, 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 waiting, watching, and ready to love because that's who God is. That's who God is, welcoming welcoming you home, not as a servant, But as a daughter, as a son, you are royalty. God created you. God chose you and is choosing you. And then our response is to receive and to be transformed and try to live our life the way God would intend for us to live. A father's love. It's deep, and it's wide, and it's so immense that it's hard to even comprehend, but it is true. That's the good news that we find in the Bible. Read Luke chapter 15 when you get home, and remind yourself of how much your Father in Heaven loves you. Let's live it like we believe it. Amen? amen as we prepare to worship and sing our last song listen to the words or say the words because they're so important it it just nails what we've been preaching about today in a really really big way take it in it's called reckless love and if you're feeling uh lost or in need of prayer which we all are actually you can pray from your seats you can pray from the steps mike and marie are back there and would love to pray with you let's pray right now almighty god thank you for this word found in scripture thank you for the parables illustrating your love for us and thank you for your your love your grace your mercy help us respond receive, and be changed and transformed. I pray this in the name of the Father and the Son and by the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen.
0: Thank you for joining us for our podcast. For more information about Connection Community Church in Middletown, Delaware, please visit our website at justshowup.church. You can also call our church offices at 302-378-7692. Connection Community Church, connecting people with Jesus and the life he offers.